You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, come to you and bring you the information that doctors are talking about in doctor's lounges all around the country. We discuss health care information and uh, provide you with the knowledge that you need to be able to advocate for your family's health care and well-being. Um, and uh, we are brought to you, as always, by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led health care think tank in the country. So we need your help and support so that we can continue to bring you this radio show. Now more than ever, it's important for you to get involved to um, to uh, bring yourself up to speed and on our website there's information on there that um, is important for you to access so that you can get involved go to it it's triple w d the number four pc foundation.org that's d4 pc foundation.org and contribute today five dollars ten dollars twenty five dollars one thousand dollars tax deductible while you can still deduct your taxes um, and uh, and it's really uh, uh, something that uh, you need to do today more than ever before I go on let me just uh, I'm going to make a plug a couple of uh, times during this show um, we um, need your action right now um, we uh, as you know uh, have always supported uh, direct primary care. This is one of the pillars of the uh, Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Uh, our president, um, the one of the nation's leaders in direct primary care, Lee Gross, has led the charge. He's been to Washington probably close to 20 times um, in the past uh, year and a half and has made... Um, this his mission in life to uh, fight for direct primary care for his patients and for everyone uh, to free them from the insurance um, uh, cartel and uh, so the IRS has um, under the Trump administration this is another one of the good things that they've done they have uh, uh, worked to deregulate health care and give individuals the opportunity um, to uh, have more health care freedom and the uh, new IRS rule allows people to uh, use um, HRAs um, and some HSAs to pay for their direct primary care which is uh, which is a no-brainer that's the way it should be but the IRS treats, Direct primary care, like a um, like a medical plan, a risk bearing entity, which of course we have discussed on this show for years, is not. It's just a delivery model, 
and um, the new IRS ruling, which um, uh, clearly is a victory for direct primary care, does not go far enough. It What needs to happen, it needs to state what is stated in 28 um, laws that have been passed in uh, uh, state legislatures around the country that direct that DPC direct primary care is not a risk bearing entity. We need this to be codified by the IRS federally, and so I'm asking everybody to go to irs.gov and comment on Executive Order. 13877 and indicate in there that you need that the IRS needs to make it clear that direct primary care is not a risk bearing entity it is a delivery model and in doing so it will allow individuals to continue to contribute to their health savings accounts and access it to pay for any kind of medical expense, and DPC is a medical expense. So if you need more help in how to frame that or understand what's going on behind the scenes so that you can write a uh, coherent comment on irs.gov, please go to our website at d 4 pc dot org that's d four pc I'm sorry d four pc foundation dot org and um, and uh, read more about it and and get on that uh, uh, today this the clock is running out on the comment period and we need as many people to weigh in as possible so today um, I um, I'm in a very somber mood. And I think that most of the country is as well. What we're seeing around us on a daily basis, on an on a hourly basis, being pummeled with all kinds of upheavals in in our lives, is is very disconcerting, very worrisome, and uh, it's it's really hard to anticipate where this is going this is a a show we bring to you every week to talk about health care and to try to tie loose ends together to make you understand what's happening around you around the country in health care so that you understand some of the rhetoric some of the I'd like to say information, but it's more like disinformation that you're being dealt up every day all around you. And um, it's it's hard to um, do a show on health care with everything that's happening around us. It seems like the world is on fire. And health care... Uh, appears to be such a small part of what is happening, and yet it's a central part, right? We're we're talking about the COVID emergency. What's more healthcare than the COVID emergency? Um, and uh, and what's happening with the um, pandemic 
is very much um, medical, and it has been mainstreamed so that everybody is talking about the pandemic. Um, 24-7, um, uh, not 365, thank God. We're not in a year of this yet, but soon, we probably soon will be. And um, and so I think that it's important for us on this show and other medical commentators to try to put together some semblance of order and explain what's happening so that you're not just accepting what you're hearing at face value because it is just um, not what it appears to be. And I'd like to circle back at the end of all this, trying to tie this to what we're facing right now with anarchy, with leftism, with, um, with social disorder, because this very much will involve health care, and it will impact every single individual in this country in ways that they cannot yet foresee. And I'll try to tie this all together as we move through the show today. As a scientist, and I'm a scientist, I am a physician, I'm a surgeon, I'm a researcher, I have a hundred peer-review medical articles, I try to keep an open mind about what is happening around us with this COVID pandemic. And um, there's no question that this is a very bad disease. It's, it's very contagious. It's novel, which means nobody has seen it before, so nobody has any immunity to it. And that's a bad combination. No immunity, very contagious, and easily trans- transmissible. Um, it is um, something that people um, are getting sick over. And virtually everybody that I know has lost a family member or a friend um, to this disease. Uh, Most of them are elderly. What this disease has done is it has wiped out our senior citizens. It's it's pretty much, um, it's it's cleaned out that portion of, of our society. The um, majority of the deaths up until now have occurred in individuals 65 and older, and if you want to stratify that even more, in individuals 80 and older. It's also killed people with other pre-existing conditions. And you hear all of this nonsense in the media about how the the uh, minority population is being adversely affected, and uh, and uh, the the inu- the insinuation, the innuendo is that um, because they don't have good health care, they are um, at a disadvantage, and so we um, as a society are are responsible because of that, and. Really, the, the, the fact of the matter is that um, the poor minorities, 
they don't have good health care uh, or they have they have pre-existing conditions because they make bad choices and they don't take care of themselves, not because they don't have access to health care. And the left is very good at at crafting a narrative to make the rest of us feel very bad about ourselves. And that's just um, a fact. And so, so I like to look at this COVID pandemic as a scientist and see what the problems really are, wh- why they are happening, and try to determine how to power through this and get on with our lives. Because this disease is not going away. If you remember, what was the goal of the um, of the strategy to deal with COVID? It was never to eradicate this disease. It was to bend the curve, to flatten the curve. Why? Because we did not want to see hospitals get. Um, maxed out and incapable of taking care of the sick people who needed to be taken care of. And so what we have done is a great job of flattening the curve. But now the goalposts have changed. Now the media is telling us every single day about the rising number of COVID cases as if this is unexpected, as if We've not done a good job because we still have COVID cases out there. Well, newsflash, we knew we were going to still have COVID cases out there. We knew that this was not going away, just like the flu has not gone away, just like the common cold has not gone away. What we now are in need of are ways to treat people who have it, and ways to protect it. So every single day we hear about promising news about vaccinations. In the mainstream media, their talking points for the past two days have been about the uh, collaborative effort of some of the pharmaceutical companies to develop a vaccination. And we're being told that they're very close, that some companies are now entering phase three trials. What's a phase three, excuse me, phase three trial? Well, a phase one trial is where they um, they test it on on animals and they make sure that that it is safe and um, and efficacious. The second is is um, phase two trial is um, going to human testing and um, trying it on a small cohort. Cohort means group of individuals that you divide into two categories or three categories, and you look at differences between those groups. Phase three trials are when now you know it is safe and it is efficacious, you expand the use and you uh, use it on a larger group of individuals and monitor their um, outcomes. And so many companies are entering phase three trials, which are going to uh, include 
um, fairly significant numbers of patients, um, upwards of fifty to a hundred thousand patients, to see what um, uh, the the results of these vaccinations are, and some of them, quite honestly, may actually um, indeed be promising, where they are developing antibodies against the um, COVID-19 virus, and they are safe. They're not getting serious side effects. There might be some minor side effects, just like there are with the flu vaccination or the shingles vaccine, where you get um, muscle aches or low-grade fever, but um, nothing um, very serious. And if the if the trade-off is that you will be able to have antibodies, then those minor side effects are certainly worth it. But we really don't know what happens in the long term. And I am the least anti-vaccine person in the country, probably. I'm saying that that's hyperbole. I'm sure that there are even... There are individuals who are even less of an anti-vaxxer than I am, but uh, anti-anti-vaxxer. I think that um, not vaccinating children, for example, against the common um, uh, diseases that that we see, like measles, mumps, rubella, whooping cough, parents who choose not to vaccinate their children are basically um, uh, engaged in child abuse. And it puts the rest of us at risk. With this vaccination that they're developing, I don't think that we can yet say that they are putting people at risk um, if they don't take the vaccination because we really don't have enough information. I'm certainly not prepared to put it into my system. Not yet. But I think that what we are being led to believe is that vaccinations are imminent. And why are we being told this now all of a sudden by the mainstream media? Because they're moving the goalposts. They're trying to tell us that because a vaccination may be on the horizon, we shouldn't necessarily look at another shutdown as a bad thing because the end result is we're going to once again flatten the curve and um, and don't worry, because help is soon on the way. So bear with us. We're close. Just let's do this a little bit longer, maybe until November 8th, and then everything will be okay. Why November 8th? Because, of course, that's after the election, and of this pandemic won't be nearly as bad if, uh, if uh, Joe Biden, God forbid, wins the election. So, as a conservative, I'm disgusted by the politicization of this pandemic. And it all boils down to Trump derangement syndrome. And all the stakeholders who hate Trump more than they love this country are linked together, arm in arm, using any means possible to prevent him from winning another term. The media the Democrats, the never-Trump Republicans, who should be ashamed of themselves, have all waged a non-stop 24-hour, seven-day-a-week campaign to misinform the public, to confuse the public, uh, 
to spread disinformation, to malign and demonize anyone who opposes the narrative from the left, which is um, the um, the the uh, the fact that that we do not need to shut down our country, and of course, this effort is first and foremost directed against anything that our president says but anybody who supports him is is um as close to the devil as it possibly can be in their eyes we are living through unprecedented times these are rough times these are times when nothing is sacred anymore not in our country not law and order not institutions, anarchists are taking over our cities and the leaders of these cities, which by the way are exclusively Democrats, do not have the moral fiber, the clarity to stand up to these thugs. Personal property no matter no longer matters. The right to defend your property no longer matters. And um, actually, it's regarded as an act of aggression if you try to defend yourselves against these people. Um, When I watch network news or read through the websites, there's nothing positive that's reported on the efforts to stem coronavirus or uh, this this wave of anarchy around the country. the media is making the case that the pandemic is getting worse. We hear every night about the number of new cases, and what they're doing is setting the stage for another round of lockdowns. The real question is whether or not this information is credible. Are the numbers that are reported actually real? Well, in the words of Mark Twain, there are three kinds of lies. There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. And so much of this inf- misinformation that we hear from the media <clears throat> is based on these made-up numbers, erroneous statistics, facts that aren't really facts, and then what happens they just say, oh, sorry, we made a mistake, or no, they didn't turn out to be what we thought they would be, or worse, they just don't say anything. And that just kind of falls you know, into the category of wrong information that was put out there, but um, nobody is accountable for it. We were told that there would be 2.2 million deaths from COVID in the U.S. Well, guess what? There is one-twentieth of that number. That's why we had to bend the curve. That's why we had to flatten the curve, because of the 2.2 million dead people. Well, that's not going to happen. And incidentally, of the 120,000 dead people, half of them are seniors, and um, a good... 50% of those people were in nursing homes and had their death warrants signed by Democrat governors like Andrew Cuomo or the um, Governor Wolf of uh, Pennsylvania who sent 
sick patients who were no longer critical but still sick with COVID to nursing homes, sentencing residents in those nursing homes to their deaths because those facilities were not capable of receiving those sick patients and keeping them secluded from the rest of the people living there. So shame on those people, those governors, they have blood on their hands. But the same geniuses who pummel us with their bladder blather about how many lives will be saved if 95% of people wear masks are making these numbers up. We're hearing that if 95% of people wear masks, that 33,000 deaths can be avoided. Where the heck did they come up with that number? How do they even... Why do people even believe that? This is just so unbelievable. You know, I could make up numbers and facts. I had a professor who used to famously say that 86.7% of all statistics are made up. And, you know, this is exactly what people are, are accepting. The media is saying these things. And, and people are buying it. You know, if you go through the exercise, I want you to do this right now while you're listening to this show. I want you to go to your browser, and I want you to type in any three-digit number, followed by um, new COVID deaths. On Google, on their search engine, you will find a pre-printed story on any three-digit number that you put in about new COVID deaths. They're prepared to, um, to, uh, uh, to continue to advance what, what um, all the, um, the bad news and what um, is happening with this COVID emergency. And, and this is something that people with a brain and without the left political agenda need to push back against. And then there are the reports about the rising number of COVID cases in the U.S. The record-keeping is faulty and not actually recording the number of active cases, but the number of cumulative cases. And this data fails to take into account how many people had the disease and recovered. Another faulty statistic that we are um, being fed on a regular basis is related to the COVID death rate. And originally, if you remember when this was happening in Italy and Spain and in, in Western Europe, we were, we were hearing about a death rate that exceeded 3%. And that death rate was going to uh, uh, come to the U.S., and, uh, and we were going to deal with a 3% death rate. Well, guess what? That death rate is more like 0.2%. And what's even more startling is that the more cases that we find, the lower the death rate is going to be. If the denominator is greater then the numerator has less of an effect. And those of you who, um, again, um, uh, 
uh, who are Rush Limbaugh fans and know, you know, that for pe- for the benefit of people who are Steelers fans, the numerator is the number on the top of a fraction. The denominator is the number on the bottom of the fraction. And if you um, have more cases on the bottom of that fraction, then your rate is going to be lower. And that's what we're finding. You know, according to the CDC website, we've already done 3.3, I'm sorry, 35 million tests in the U.S. And President Trump gets gets, uh, a, four Pinocchios by the mainstream media for continually saying that we've tested more people than any other country in the world. Well, we have. 35 million tests have been done. Now, granted, that is only uh, 1% of our population, but that's not the president's fault. That's individuals' fault. There are um, there are facilities that can handle more testing. My daughter um, is traveling tomorrow, and she is going um, uh, to see her friends who uh, are concerned um, because she has two parents who are physicians and who see patients every day, and they um, wanted to make sure that she was COVID negative before she got to them. So she went to a testing center in the Atlanta area. And you know how many people were waiting online when she got there at 3 o'clock for her testing? Zero. Zero. So this is not President Trump's fault that more testing is not being done. This is the responsibility of Americans. This is what America is all about. It's about freedom to make decisions for ourselves. It's not the government. It's not the president saying every single person must be tested or we're going to put it on your permanent record. This is this is America. Of the 35 million tests that have been reported by the CDC, 3.3 million have been positive. That's 9%. So we're going to find that this disease is prevalent in the in in our um, in our country, but fewer and fewer people are getting sick from it because we're the more we find out, the more we know about this disease, and it's different than what we thought it to be when it first hit our shores. I'm going to continue talking about the disinformation. Um, regarding COVID and then bringing this back to the left and what is going to happen to healthcare in this country if people don't wake up and start speaking up when we get back in the next segment. So stay with us. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs.com 
fourpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. And make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. We're talking about what else? COVID. And um, the trying to uh, put into context the disinformation that people are hearing in the mainstream media on an hourly basis and um, trying to uh, give people perspective about how to analyze data critically, which is what scientists do all the time. And unfortunately, when you turn science into junk science, which is what the media is doing regarding COVID, then you can pretty much say anything and make that argument um, uh, bend to your point of view. Um, Before I um, uh, go into the next uh, uh, segment, I want to remind everybody about uh, going to irs.gov and making a comment about direct primary care, about the um, ruling that uh, needs to um, be commented on um, regarding DPC as a risk-bearing entity. It is not. IRS is not um, uh, uh, seeing it that way, and they need to make that change. So you need to um, go to the D4PC Foundation website if you need more information, d4pcfoundation.org. It's Executive Order 13877, and uh, please comment. More, the more comments that are made regarding direct primary care not being a risk-bearing entity but a delivery system, that will influence the um, rulemaking by the IRS, and we really desperately need it. You all need this. America needs this. Our patients need this. So there may be other reasons why the number of cases of COVID-19 are going up. Many young people have ignored recommendations to socially distance and instead have gathered on beaches, in parks, um, spring break. Um, uh, They've um, inundated bars when they've reopened and they've ignored social distancing recommendations. Um, And then, of course, came the racially motivated protests, then riots, 
and now the autonomous zones. Is there any doubt in any rational, clear-thinking human being that this is contributing to the increased number of cases of COVID that we're seeing around the country? I'm not going to give out any numbers because I don't want to be accused of giving out damn lies and statistics. But um, if Christians are being arrested for going to church, or if Jews are being attacked by the mayor of New York for going to a funeral, but these same Democrat politicians are supporting the rioters, isn't there something wrong there? Can, can people not see the double standard and how it's so wrong for them to ignore what they're telling us to do regarding COVID, but allowing those other activities um, to uh, to take place and not just allowing them, but encouraging them. And then, of course, is the whole issue about masks. Masks is now the new flashpoint in this pandemic. And I got to be honest with you i have i personally am a little bit um conflicted about this mask business so at first if you remember back to march the government team the covid team surgeon general adams deborah burks and the great Fauci, I like to call him the great Fauci. I think of him like the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain, the little man behind the curtain who has a booming voice, but it's just a, a little guy. But um, he, the, the great Fauci, initially said no one should wear a mask. And that is on record. You can, you can Google that. You can see that on YouTube. And then he did a complete 180 on this. And when asked about this, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, well, we learned so much more about this disease since then. But the reality is that we did not have enough PPE. So it was better to say not to wear masks to conserve the PPE than to uh, um, have everybody wear them and take them away from healthcare workers. Now we have enough PPE. Well, gosh, huh? So was he lying to us then or is he lying to us now? I mean, what's the deal with these masks? Um, you know, I think that there is um, clearly a benefit to wearing a mask. We wear them in the operating room. Why do we wear them in the operating room? So we don't get our germs into the patient's open wounds. That's a surgical principle. That's something that we have been doing for centuries. Um, the reason to wear a mask is not to protect you. It's to protect others from you, just like we're protecting our patients from us in the operating room. And, yeah, I think that if everybody wore masks then we could clearly cut down the um, spread of this disease just like we can cut down the spread of the disease by other measures like socially distancing, like 
hand washing, like disinfecting common surfaces that are being used all the time. But you can take this to an extreme. I don't think that if people are are running in in the park that they need to wear a mask. I don't think that if people are driving in their cars by themselves they need to be wearing a mask. There's 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 some insanity about this that that just makes no sense. Now, I I have to admit that when I go into a a, a busy supermarket or a store, a confined space, I am wearing a mask because aerosolized um uh, virus particles can persist in the air for a certain period of time after it's expelled by individuals. And again, I am not going to give you a number because they're all over the map, but suffice it to say that it lasts from um, uh, several a minute or two to a little bit longer than that. But... Um, but it's it's really become uh, an uh, an issue of shaming people if they're not wearing masks, and I'm not sure that uh, we we need to get go down that road or be that way. Um, but I think it's taking the focus off of what we really need to be doing, which is all of the other measures to try to mitigate this disease. And what nobody is talking about with regard to these statistics are deaths, because that's really the, where the rubber meets the road. The majority of the people who are getting sick right now are young people. Those who ignored public health recommendations, those who went to protest, those who were rioting, those who are at um, the um, Occupy zones, those who are going to bars and and drinking until four in the morning without um, any kind of social distancing, um, who are elbow to elbow with each other. And many of those people bring this disease home to their parents um, who are at greater risk. So that, in large part, is um, contributing to why we're seeing the numbers go up. And then we're hearing about asymptomatic carriers and super spreaders. And why are we hearing all of this? Because the media and the left is preparing us for another shutdown. They want to see the country shut down, with Europe opening up to um, 13 countries, the U.S. not being one of them, that even gives further fuel to this um, effort to shut us down and bring the numbers down into into um, ranges that are acceptable. Well, you know what, guess what? This disease is not going away, and we need to learn to live with it because the alternatives are intolerable. They are unacceptable. The economic impact of a shutdown is immeasurable. People losing their jobs. 50% of restaurants in New York that are closed will not reopen again. People losing their health care because they've lost their jobs. Going on to the Medicaid rolls. 
there's some people who are actually thinking that this is intentional so that more people go on Medicaid and this is the back door or the Trojan horse to get more government control over health care. People who are retiring or getting ready to retire are seeing their nest eggs evaporate, which will happen at a greater rate the longer we are shut down as an economy. There's a human cost to shut down. Some people, some healthcare experts, mental health experts, are cause, calling this a mass casualty event. Massive PTSD. And we're seeing this. People committing suicide. People who are on record number of anti-anxiety medications. These prescriptions are being filled at record numbers or um, or drug abuse or alcoholism or um, spousal abuse or child abuse. All of these numbers are going up because of the effects of this COVID epidemic, not the epidemic itself, but the reaction to the epidemic. Um, obesity is, is increasing because people are more sedentary. Yes, we see people running and exercising, but in children, the child obesity rate is actually going up because kids are sitting around in their computers doing virtual school. They are also on their computers with their video games. They're not getting out of the house. Playgrounds have been locked down. Sports facilities are closed. And so this is going to have repercussions for a generation. And what about parents who have to deal with their kids at home and can't work either at home or out of the home because they need to figure out a way to deal with their children. This is this is a very real problem. And virtual is not the answer. Virtual is great for some people, but it does not replace human contact. And this is going to have um, long-standing, long-range adverse consequences. We hear people talking about how great virtual is. Well, it may be great for some, but for most, it is not. It's not the answer. The medical system is going to be a major casualty of this pandemic. The medical system is contracting because doctors are leaving, just like we're seeing police officers leave because of the war on the police. Well, we're seeing doctors leave because of the war on doctors. Doctors are um, uh, having to close their practices because they can't do their jobs. You know, the majority of the care that we give in this country is elective care. It's not emergency care. It's not critical care. It's elective care. Um, and, and when we can't deliver that elective care, then we can't keep our offices open. When we can't keep our offices open, then we doctors are going to either go into the hospitals and we're going to transition the care from a place where an individual has a relationship with you and cares about you to a 
uh, a monolithic um, entity that couldn't give a damn about you. And why do we know that? Because the hospitals are firing people left and right, not taking care of their employees because they are not making the the hundreds of millions of dollars that they're used to making and uh, boo-hoo to them that they are having to uh, um, see uh, a, a dramatic drop in, in their endowments so that they no longer have $5 million endowments or, or $10 million endowments, but but maybe 2 or $3 million. It's eating into it if they have to use that for operating expenses. Patients are not coming in for care. That's what this shutdown does, and it makes them sicker. Cancer deaths are going up because people are not coming in for their care, and long-term consequences will be immeasurable. Heart attacks, you know, we're not seeing any heart attacks anymore in the emergency room. Did the heart attacks go away? Of course not. Nobody's going to the emergency room because they're afraid, because they don't want to get sick, because the media is telling them that there are so many sick COVID patients in the hospitals that they should avoid going there, and people are listening to that, and they're not doing it. The consequences of diabetes and hypertension, because people are not getting into their doctor's appointments. This is going to have far reaching effects folks and if you think that the first shutdown was bad if there's a second shutdown uh katie bar the door because i don't know where this is going to head um all of this because people hate trump it boils down to trump derangement syndrome but let me just tell you let's just close this out by explaining how Biden would be worse, how Democrat-run country would be worse for all of us with regard to our health care. And I'm going to focus on health care because we can go into so many other areas, which I've touched on a little bit, because it's really hard to do a health care show entirely without um, at least... Um, uh, bringing up so much of what's happening around us on a regular basis. But a Biden presidency will usher in the permanent decline of the U.S. And that is is unmistakable because he will not be running this country. If you If you listen to him, he cannot complete two sentences consecutively and, and tie them together. He will not be making any of the policy. It will be the leftists who are surrounding him who will make all of the policy decisions. And when it comes to health care, we are screwed because the government will take that over. You know, Trump doesn't talk much about health care. But if you do a deep dive into the policies that have come out of his administration. Forget about him. You know, he has said a number of times recently that you might not like him, but look at what has come out of his administration. Don't believe the rhetoric. Don't listen to the lies about him. Look at the policies. If you can look at them in a black box and ask yourself, is it good 
or is it bad, you will undoubtedly, almost the majority of the time, say that they're good. Whereas Biden has no good ideas. And and so, qu- quite honestly, if um, we want to look at the, the policies out of the Trump administration, um, he has given health care back to the people. He's not for the government controlling your health care like Obama was and under Obamacare. Obama knew that the majority of the people would lose their health care. But you know what? That was okay. That was a good trade-off in his world, in his way of looking at the world, in order to get the government in control of health care. And Joe Biden was part of that. And um, President Trump doesn't believe in that. He believes that people should control their health care. And um, it started right from the very beginning of his administration when he um, allowed insurance, uh, the short-term insurance plans to um, operate um, and uh, continue to offer policies to individuals, not just for um, 90 days like Obama um, wanted to try to shut them down, but he, but President Trump said, no, these are actually policies that some people can benefit from, and we'll let them have it for a year. This is, these are policies that people can customize so that they can get the kind of care that they want. Everybody's seen every day on TV the Liberty commercials, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. You know the health, the insurance for what you need. That's these are the policies that um, that uh, are are flourishing because of the Trump administration. They'll let people decide what they want in their health care policies, and now under Trump, you can extend it for three years. Now there are people on the left who are trying to once again say that this is a big problem. That oh no, these are bad policies. No, they're not. They're great policies, especially when you combine them with other types of health care that people can access, like direct primary care. And this is something that the Trump administration has allowed to happen as well, um, allowing um, direct primary care arrangements and now um, allowing people to um, use that, um, use their health care dollars for um, these other types of health care other than the big uh, insurance companies. And um, the latest, which I love, was the uh, health care price transparency. There are, um, there's been so much work that has been done to try to make health care pricing more visible to the public, to allow the public to be able to know how much health care is going to cost. We've heard so much about surprise medical billing. This all falls in that same bucket. But the hospitals are um, negotiating steep discounts that are different from their charge master and um, with insurance companies. And the Trump administration is saying, listen, why can't patients know how much 
their care is going to cost. Why can't patients know what the hospitals have negotiated with insurance companies regarding the price of the care that they're going to receive? And you know what? People should be able to comparatively shop and should be allowed to be consumers. And there has been so much pushback. Where's the pushback come from? Where do you think? From the hospitals. The American Hospital Association, um, which for the majority of hospitals in this country are nonprofits and shouldn't be able to lobby because they are nonprofits, are doing just that. They're using that money that they're not paying taxes on to lobby the congressmen and the senators and people in Washington to push back against the Trump policies about about disclosing prices. And guess what? They just lost the first battle. The hospitals lost that battle in the D.C. Um, district Court. Um, and uh, this is a big blow to the hospitals and a big win for the Trump administration. And not a win for the Trump administration. It's a win for you, the consumer, the patient, the individual. President Trump is merely representing you. And that's not what Joe Biden wants to do, by the way. Joe Biden wants to represent the left interests in this country. And the left interests are to take over health care, because when the government controls your health care, they got you. And if you don't think that's going to happen, just look at what's happening in these autonomous zones. Look at what's happening with this anarchy around the country. If you think that you are going to, as a consumer, going to have the same freedom and the same rights that you do now to select your health care and have it um, uh, there for you whenever you need it, you are sorely mistaken. And as doctors, if you think that you're going to be able to practice medicine in this country under a Biden administration, knowing what we're seeing now where they're controlling everything, the left is trying to control every aspect of our life, they're going to do the same in healthcare, doctor. So wake up, speak up, get out there, and and uh, make a difference. So that's all I've got today. I hope that I've put together some kind of semblance of uh, order for you in looking at COVID and circling back to what's happening with uh, our country. And it's time for every um, American every patriot to speak up. I'll be back with you in two weeks. Have a a beautiful 4th of July weekend. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.